Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. In 1999, many of you know the story about John F. Kennedy Jr. You heard about the tragedy. He was flying over the Atlantic, and uh, he was flying from New Jersey to go to Massachusetts. He was there in New Jersey and going to fly out of New Jersey and go to Massachusetts because his cousin was having a wedding. So he was going to fly there, and uh, he was uh, getting his, you know, pilot's license and things like that and taking classes and doing all of that, and and he had a a plane. He had bought a plane just a few months earlier, and he was going to fly, he and his wife and his sister-in-law. So they all got into that plane. They got into the plane in the evening time, and they flew over. And many of you know the story that he never made it there. He never made it to Massachusetts. It's a little bit of a mystery exactly what happened, exactly what happened to him. And, but there's a few indications of, of what might have happened. One of the things that some of the other pilots that were flying that night, they mentioned was that there was a little bit of haze that night. So he was flying from New Jersey to Massachusetts, which obviously if you looked at a map, you'll know that he's kind of flying over the ocean. He's flying over the Atlantic Ocean, and, and there's a little bit of a haze, a little bit of a fog or whatever, and, and you couldn't see that horizon. John F. Kennedy Jr. was not, he didn't have whatever qualifications in order to fly without the visuals. And it's assumed that he probably got a little bit confused because he couldn't see the horizon and didn't know exactly, is he level, is he going up, is he going down? And I remember uh, hearing that, you know, based on the information of the black box that his plane was going this way and, and went down and then, and then he went up and then he went to the left and right. It seems like he was a little confused, that he was a little lost. And that he probably crashed that plane because he couldn't see the horizon. He couldn't see his surroundings. He's flying over an ocean. There's no lights anywhere. He can't see anything and ended up crashing that plane. I found out this recently as I was reading about it. An interesting note was that he left to fly over there at 8.30 at night. His original plan, though, was not to leave at 8.30 at night. His plan was to leave at 6 o'clock at night. Sunset was at 8. His plan was, we'll leave at 6, we'll get there in a couple of hours, we'll land, we'll be fine, it'll be daylight, everything will be good. His sister-in-law, though, working, I think, in New York, got stuck in traffic and was a little bit late. So they gathered all together, and then they headed over to the airport, and there was a little bit heavier traffic than usual. And so instead of leaving at 6, two hours before sunset, They left at 8.30, 30 minutes after sunset. And he ended up crashing that plane. What a big difference between light and darkness. What a big difference between being able to see and not being able to see. I think probably every one of us has at least some experience of where you're driving into a new place at night. And everything seems a little bit confusing. You're just following the map. You're following the GPS or whatever the case might be. And then you go to sleep and you wake up this next morning and you drive around the area. And it's much clearer where you are, where your surroundings are. 
and where you're going and all of these things. At night, it can be a little bit tricky. At night, you can't really see that far. At night, you're not really able to see all of your surroundings. But in daytime, you're able to see. In daytime, you're able to notice some things. In daytime, you're able to see a little bit farther. And when we get revival, what God gives to us is spiritual light. When we get revival, God gives to us light so that we are able to see. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 13 says, But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. That's why he says in verse 14, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. How many of you would be at least honest at least to admit, at least maybe in your heart, that there are some times where you look at the Bible, you read the Bible, you know what it says, but you don't really understand it. You don't know why it says that. Why am I supposed to do that? You ever been there? How many of you have been there? I've been there. I read it, and I know what it says, but I don't know why. I don't get it. Or maybe you didn't even get that far. You read a Bible verse, you know it's trying to say something, but you still don't know what it's trying to say. How many of you have been there? I've been there. I've read some Old Testament passages where I think, I know this is in here for a reason. I'm just not totally sure why right now. We've all been there. Maybe in your personal life, you know what the Bible says about how you should live as a family, about how you should live as an individual, how you should live as, a, as an employee. You know these things, but you're not really sure why you have to do that. Why is the Bible so adamant about that? Why is the Bible so clearly this is what you ought to do? And, and maybe you don't quite get it. You know what you need? You need some light. You need some spiritual light to illuminate your eyes, to illuminate your heart so that you can see, so you can understand. Sometimes it's dark to us. It's like we're driving around in the dark. We know what the GPS says, but we don't know why. We don't understand it. And what Jesus says is, hey, wake up. Wake up. He says, awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead. He says, get some revival. When you get revived, Christ shall give thee light. Sometimes we get a little bit reversed. Sometimes we think, when I get it, when I see it, then I'll do it. And what God says is, no, you got it backwards. You got to do it, and then I'll let you see it. Isn't that what faith is? Amen? Isn't that what faith is? Faith is a great extent of, I can't see it. I don't know heaven. I don't know hell. I don't know that it's there. I haven't seen it. But I trust God's word that it's there. Amen? I know that it's appointed unto man once to die. I haven't seen the afterlife. But God says it's there. That there is a judgment to come. And there's one criteria is my name in the Lamb's book of life. Have I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior? What God wants is for us to be revived, and then he'll send us light. 
I see five results of receiving the light of revival. Number one, I see that when you get revived, you step cautiously. You walk cautiously or circumspectly, as the word the Bible uses. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. When you receive the light of revival, you walk cautiously. You walk carefully because you can see. Christians are stepping into all sorts of trouble because they don't see clearly. Because they don't see it. Because they, they don't have that light. They don't know exactly where they're stepping. Jesus called the Pharisees the blind leaders of the blind. Where do blind leaders who lead blind followers get? They get themselves into trouble, don't they? Sometimes we may see the commands and instructions of the Bible, and we don't know exactly why. But when we receive the light, we see clearly, and we walk carefully, circumspectly. When I was in New Jersey, I was working with the, the ministry there, and we had Bible studies for college students. And uh, so on Friday nights, we would have a Bible study. Sometimes we would meet at my place. Sometimes we would meet at other places or whatever the case might be. And uh, so we would meet all throughout the, the school year. So fall, heading into winter, heading into spring, we would have these Bible studies. Uh, I had it on campus a couple of times. A lot of times I had it at my home. And so we would have these Bible studies, and we would invite them over. We might have some food, play some games, study the Bible, try to encourage the college students while they were there. There was a big state college. Rutgers was there close by, and many of them went to Rutgers. And so we would have these Bible studies on Friday nights, and we would have a, a good time. And, and uh, some of them, they would have their own cars, and they would, you know, go home. But a few of them would need rides, and so sometimes I would give them a ride. I give them a ride to their home, or sometimes somebody else would drive, a friend would drive, and so they would drop them off, and, uh, you know, that's, of course, is always nice, but this one time, you know, nobody was able to give a ride, so I had to give a ride to one of these college students. He didn't live that far away. He lived uh, just five minutes down the road, but it's winter time. It's winter time in New Jersey. There's snow and ice on the roads, you know, for weeks at a time, and you know, it'll snow for a while, and then they'll plow the streets, and then the streets will be clear, but there'll be ice all over the streets, sidewalks, and everywhere. And, and uh, I remember that I was thinking, I'm going to just drop off this student at his home five minutes away. I won't even get out of the car. I'll just park on the street. He'll get out. He'll go home, and then I'll drive home. So I wasn't even dressed for the weather. I was just wearing, like, a T-shirt and, you know, I didn't have a jacket or anything. It's like 20 degrees outside. And uh, on my way home, I got a flat. I remember calling my wife and saying, um, I got a flat tire. You know, it'll be a little while. I got to change the tire, and the next day I'll have to go. But it was cold. I got to change this tire. I'm in a residential area. And I remember I was in this residential area, and uh, I, I got out, and I, I'm changing this tire, and over on the other side are some kids having, like, they're making a snowman, watching me in my shorts, you know, or a t-shirt or whatever, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to change this tire, and, uh, you know, I changed the tire before, but never in the cold, 
when you change the tire in the cold, you got to get on the ground. You know, there's ice on the ground. You know, so I'm on my knees and on the ground, and it's freezing. And eventually, I got it up, got the tire changed, and did all of that. Finally, made it back. But I remember the reason why I got a flat tire. The reason is, when I was driving, there's little patches of ice here and there, and it's not flat. You know, it's little mounds here and there, and when it's dark, you get those little street lights or the lights from, from, the, from the houses, they cast these really long shadows, right? Because the light's way over there, there's a little mound of ice over here, and it casts a really long shadow maybe into the street or whatever the case might be, and, and uh, you know, as you drive, there's all these shadows everywhere. And, you know, I'm just thinking they're just shadows, and so I was driving through, except the problem was one of these shadows wasn't a shadow, it was a pothole. And I didn't see that pothole. I thought it was a shadow. And so I just drove right through it. And I remember hitting it hard, because I'm just driving, you know, 20 miles an hour, 25 miles an hour, whatever it was, through the residential area. Bam! I hit it really hard. And I was thinking, oh, I, I've hit potholes before, but that was really loud. And so I was like, but maybe it'll be okay. And I'm, I'm just kind of driving cautiously, and then that light goes on on my dashboard, you know, the low air pressure tire. I was like, oh, no. And I was thinking, I don't want to get stuck on the main street, so I better make sure. And so I pulled out. Sure enough, I got a flat. I could hear it. The air was coming out. I was like, I got to change this because I was driving through, and what I thought was a shadow was a pothole because... I was driving at night. You know, if I was driving at daytime, I would have seen that pothole right away. If I was driving in the daytime, no problem. I would have known, oh, that's a pothole. I need to drive around the pothole. I shouldn't hit that pothole. I should drive around it. But because it was night, I couldn't quite see. It wasn't clear to me, is that a shadow or is that a pothole? I know there are potholes in New Jersey, and if you've dri driven through New Jersey, you'll know there's plenty of potholes there. And you're aware of that, and you're careful about it. You know in your mind that it's there. But I still hit one. And the reason I hit one was because it was dark. You know, there's a lot of Christians that are like that. They know that there are potholes of sin out there. They know there are potholes of trouble out there. They know it's in there because you come to church and you hear the preaching, you read your Bible and you know that it's there and you're aware of problems that are out there, potholes of sin, potholes of temptation, potholes of trials and tribulations that are out there and you're doing your best to navigate and yet you might still hit one if you're in the dark. And that's why we need to get light. That's why we need revival light because you don't know the potholes that are coming down the road. And what you think might be an innocent shadow might be a dangerous pothole. And so we need some light in our eyes, some spiritual light that God gives to us so that we'll see, that, oh, oh, we need to be careful of this one. You know what's interesting to me is sometimes you'll have a, a mature Christian, you know, not of course that they're perfect or that they know everything, but it's clear that they have some revival light. You know, they can see some things, and they're trying to give some advice to a more immature Christian. Hey, you better be careful of that. That's a pothole right there. And you better not get close to that. You better stay away from that. And some immature Christian doesn't have that same light. 
They'll say, oh, it looks like a shadow to me. It's no problem. It'll be fine. And guess what? They get themselves into trouble. And then they get themselves into trouble again, not knowing why. I keep hitting these potholes. I don't get it. Everything looks like a shadow to me, but I keep hitting these potholes. What's going on? You need some light. You need some revival light. God wants to give you that light. God wants to illuminate your spiritual eyes so that you can see, hey, this relationship is a dangerous one. You better stay away from that. Hey, that's going to be a negative on your life. Hey, I know that there's some great potential at this job to make a lot of money, but you better stay away from that job. They're going to suck up your life and take away some spiritual things, and and you're going to get consumed with making money and building up your career. Hey, it, it looks very lucrative, but you better be careful of that one. That's a pothole over there. Hey, we need to be careful of some of these things, and sometimes we don't know, hey, is this dangerous? Is it not dangerous? I'm not sure it seems fine to me. Not that we need to live in fear, but that we need to live in trust with the light that God gives to us. Secondly, what I see is that when you get revival, when you get revived, you spend carefully. Verse number 16 says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We never seem to have enough time, do we? Never. We never seem to have enough time. We always run out of time, don't we? When you're a student, you run out of time. When you go to work, you run out of time. When you're trying to bake the the turkey, you run out of time, right? We're always running out of time. There's never enough time. And we know that life is short. The Bible says in Psalms 90, for all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are seven score years and ten. That's how many years? Three score and ten is 70. Three score is 60, 20, 20, 20, and 10. The years of our life are 70. And if by reason of strength they be four score years, which is 80. Yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow for it is soon cut off and we fly away. You know what God says about our life? It's like a tale that is told. It's like a story that you tell. Right? So on Friday, me and my family, we went out. You know, we woke up, and we got the kids ready, and we went out to eat. We went out to eat some barbecue. It's delicious barbecue. It was great barbecue. Loved it. We got there as soon as it opened. We were ready for that, that food. We were going there. We had some great food there. Skylar ate it up. I ate it up. My wife ate it up. Sophie, sorry, couldn't eat it up. We had a great time. Then we went out, and uh, as you know, I like coffee, so I went looking for a coffee place, and I just, you know, looked it up on the internet. Found a place close by. Never been there before. Went over there had some good pictures, looked great. So we went inside, we ordered some coffee, my wife ordered something, I ordered something, we went inside, and turns out that in the back is a little area for some kids. You know, there's a little mat, and a little bookshelf, and some toys and things like that, and I was like, that's great for Sophie, right? My youngest one needs to crawl around and things like that, and I was like, this is great, this is a perfect place for us. We can have our coffee, And our youngest one can, you know, crawl around and play and things like that. It was great. So we were there for a little bit, had a great time. And then we went over to a friend's place. We were there together, had dinner together, had some great fellowship together. You know, kids played together. And then we went home, 
and then we went to sleep. That was our day on Friday, all right? I just told you a story, right? I just told you a story about what our family did on Friday. You know what the Bible says about our life? Our life is like the story that I just told you. It has a beginning, it has a middle, and it has an end, and it's over quickly. That's our life. Our life is short. We don't have a lot of time. Our, our life is like a story that you just tell, and then it's over with, and then it's gone, and you forget about it. It's so short. And so we need to redeem the time. We need to use the time that we have wisely. I read about a man. His name is Rafi. He lives in New York City. And he used to be a stone setter. I don't even really know what that is, but he was working in New York City. And he found a living on the streets of New York City doing a job that others called the urban prospector. Right? Remember the 49ers, right? Everybody comes over to California for the gold rush and start, you know, panning for gold. That's what he does, but on the streets of New York City. When he was a stone setter, he went into the Diamond District and he was, I guess, setting, you know, something up for one of the stores there. And he saw little scraps of gold there on the floor. So he, I guess, scooped it up and I don't know what he did. He sold it and made a little bit of money. And he thought, if there are scraps of gold on the inside of these stores, there must be gold on the outside of these stores. And so he got a styrofoam cup, he got tweezers, and he got a butter knife, and he went out to those streets sweeping for gold. And you know what he found there? He found gold. And he found diamonds. And he made about $500 a week just finding random stones, gems, gold on the streets and sold it to the people that dropped it on the streets. He would go, he would pick up all of his gold and diamonds and go into the store and say, here's a diamond, I'll sell it to you. And they would look at the diamond, it's all cut, everything's, you know, ready for sale and they would say, it's a good diamond, I'll give you 100 bucks for this, I'll give you 200 bucks for this and, and this man, made money off of the dropped diamonds and gold from these stores. And we think about these diamond sellers that are dropping hundreds and thousands of dollars on the street, but how many of us are dropping minutes and hours and days out on the streets of our life? What God wants us to do is to redeem the time. God wants us to use our time wisely. And you know what we're able to do when we get revival is we're able to get the light. We're able to spend carefully, spend our time wisely. So that while we understand that, of course, every single day we have a limited amount of time, we're able to do what God wants us to do. James chapter 4 verse 13 says, Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain." Whereas you know now what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. You know what revival helps us to do? It helps us to remember our life is short. It helps us to remember, what are we supposed to be here? 
Hey, it helps us to remember, if the Lord allows us to do this, then we will do that. It keeps God at the center of our time. Romans chapter 13 says, in that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Right, if you're wondering, what exactly does that mean? Verse number 13 kind of clarifies it. Let us walk honestly as in the day. Let us walk as if there is light, because you have light. Not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. What God wants us to do with our time in order to spend it wisely is to put on Jesus Christ and put off the lust of the flesh. That's how we can spend our time wisely. Thirdly, what I see is that when you get revived, you stop conclusively. You stop conclusively. Verse 17, wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now, sometimes young people have the question, what is God's will for my life? You can know God's will for your life. Did you know that? You can know God's will for your life. Because he says it here, understanding what the will of the Lord is. Well, what is God's will for my life? Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. What God wants us to do is to be filled with the Spirit. The problem is we're filled up with all sorts of other things. And when we see revival light, we know what to put in and what to take out. If you've ever traveled with check-in luggage, you know the struggle of having more things to put in your suitcase than you have space in your suitcase. Right? You know that there's a limit there at the airport. 50 pounds. Don't you dare go over 50 pounds. 50 and a half pounds, you've got to pull something out. You've got to unzip that luggage in the suitcase and pull something out. And 50 pounds. I remember when I was, you know, younger and I would go off to, you know, I went off to Bible college. I flew there and, you know, I had this suitcase, huge suitcase. I thought, you know, you want to get a big suitcase because you can put lots of things in there. And then I realized when you get to the airport, you have to take half of it out because it's too heavy. I remember one time flying with a suitcase that was like a third empty because, well, 50 pounds is 50 pounds. And what God wants us to do is understand that our life is like a suitcase. You can only put so much in it. And revival light is knowing what to put in it. And what not to put in it. What's the most important things? If I'm going on a trip, these are the things that I need. I need to take the other things out. These are the things that I need to leave behind. These are the things that I should not include. You know, there's a lot of things in our life that are not even necessarily sinful. They're just not as important, right? When you go on a trip, there are certain things that are very important. You need a charger for your cell phone, amen? That's very important. You need that. It might be small, but it's important. You need that. You can't leave that out. You leave that out, you're in trouble when you get to your destination. 
Right? There are certain things that you need. You need clothing. You need toiletries. You need certain things. You, you need those things. And Revival Light tells us what to include and what not to include. And what he says in verse number 18 is, Be not drunk with wine. Where is the excess? What are you doing? Leave those things out. Take those things out so that you can be filled with what is important. And what is important is being filled with the Spirit. What God wants us to do in our life is to be filled with the Spirit. And Revival Light helps us to understand what are the things that we need to get rid of, the things that are occupying space in the suitcase of my life, so that the Holy Spirit is not able to get in, and I need to take those things out so the Holy Spirit can be filled. And you need the filling of the Holy Spirit. You need the filling of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because it is through the Holy Spirit that you get spiritual power. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. But ye shall receive power. God wants his people to have power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. You want power in your spiritual life? You need the Holy Spirit. You want the Holy Spirit in your life? You've got to take some things out. Amen? You've got to take some things out. You know, Christianity is not just about adding a Sunday morning service. Sometimes it's about taking something out. Sometimes you've got to take out some entertainment. Sometimes you've got to take out some things in your life. Sometimes you've got to take out some attitudes. Sometimes you've got to take out some different things. And sometimes you've got to take them out so that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit because you need power. And God wants to give you that power. But if your life is full already, there's no space for that. And God wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Fourthly, what I see is when you get revival, you speak cheerfully. Verse number 19. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, when you get revival, you speak to yourselves. Verse number 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a fitting verse, having just come off of Thanksgiving. Amen? Verse number 20, giving thanks. All right, who do we give thanks to? We give thanks to God. Giving thanks to God always. Amen? Giving thanks always for all things. Did you know the Bible says giving thanks always for all things? We just read it. How in the world are we supposed to give thanks for all things? How many of you have things in your life that you are not thankful for? <laughs> right? I have things that I'm like, why is it like this? Why, why is this problem here in my life? Why do I have to deal with this? I'm not thankful for that. I will be thankful when it is gone. Right? That's what we think. But God says be thankful for all things. Always. For all things. How is that possible? Well, we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose. So we give thanks unto God always for all things. And notice what it says in verse number 19. We sing, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Notice where the song starts. The song starts in your heart, not in your lips. Right? It starts inside of you. Now, finally here in Southern California, winter has finally come. Right? 
winter's here. It's chillier, right? I can see the coats. I see the sweaters here, right? It's chillier. Winter's here. The rain has come. You know, people are thinking about going to the mountains and seeing snow and all of that. And, you know, everybody's bundling up a little bit. It's, it's getting chillier. It's getting colder. But hopefully on the inside of your heart or in the inside of your home, the temperature is the same, right? Hopefully. The temperature in your home hopefully stays the same. In the summer, hopefully it stays the same. In the winter, hopefully it stays the same. In the summer, hopefully it doesn't get too hot. In the winter, hopefully it doesn't get too cold. Hopefully it stays roughly the same. How do you get a home that stays roughly the same temperature all year round? You have something in your home called a thermostat. You have something called a thermostat. But what does the thermostat do? The thermostat says, if it gets too hot, I'm going to bring it back to the ideal temperature. If it gets too cold, I'm going to heat it up to get it back to the ideal temperature. No matter what's going on on the outside, I'm going to keep the inside like this. No matter how bad it is on the outside, on the inside, I'm going to keep it like this. And revival is the thermostat that sets the joy in the home of your heart. Revival is what allows you to keep the revival song in your heart no matter how hot it is on the outside or how cold it is on the outside. Acts chapter 16 gives us this passage where Paul and Silas are thrown into prison in Philippi. They're preaching the gospel. They're witnessing to people. They are falsely accused. They get thrown into prison. They're beaten. They're thrown into the innermost prison in the stocks. And in verse number 25, it says, And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. It was very cold spiritually there in Philippi. And yet, they still had a revival song. How is that possible? Because God gave them revival. Fifthly and lastly, when we get revival, we submit correspondingly. This is very important. We understand that we should have cheerfulness in our heart, have joy. We like joy. We want joy. We want the filling of the Spirit because we want power. That's great. That's wonderful. We want wisdom to know where to step. All of these come from revival light. But the fifth one is submission. Verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Did you know that when you get revival light, you submit? That's just what happens. Verse 21, submitting yourselves one Why do we submit ourselves one to another? Because we're not in control. Or at least we ought not to be in control. Who should be in control? Who should be in control? Who should be in control? God should be in control. Ephesians chapter 1. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Who should be in control? God. God should be in control. The reason why we struggle with submission is because we don't have the light. We need revival. 
You know what's interesting in the passages right after this? Do you know what's in the passages right after this? Wives? Husbands? Children? Parents? Employees? And bosses? Who's supposed to be submitting here? Husbands and wives, parents and children, bosses and employees. We're supposed to submit ourselves one to another. Sometimes we take those verses and we think, oh, I don't know if I could do that. Well, go back a step. Instead of looking at verse 22, look at verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. If you struggle with that one, take a step back. Go to verse number 20. Giving thanks always for all things. Struggling with that, take a step back. Verse 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. If you're struggling with that, take a step back. Verse number 18, be filled with the Spirit. Struggling with that, take another step back. Verse 17, understanding the will of the, uh, what the will of the Lord is. If you're struggling with that, verse 16, redeeming the time. Maybe you're not spending your time wisely. If you're struggling with that, verse 15, see then that you walk circumspectly. If you're struggling with that, it all starts at verse 14. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. 